Welcome to Legacy School. Our mission is to saturate the heart of every student with revelatory teaching that awakens them into the original intentions of God. Please visit LegacySchoolOnline.com to begin your journey of awakening your eternal impact. Hello, I'm Dr. Greg Crawford, and I'm here again to give us a short teaching today on sonship. What exactly is sonship? Uh, what are the aspects of sonship? Um, we may do several teachings into this area because there's a lot of interest and a lot of information that can be gleaned as we dig in and study what is sonship. So I want to start with some verses that we all seem to know very much. Uh, Malachi 4.6 is one that we've heard recently in the church over the last few years. And he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Now that verse is an important verse because it has an aspect of sonship setting within it. It takes fathers to be able to have sons and you cannot be a son or a daughter unless there's some aspect of fathering that comes into play. Uh, right now we first come in as a believer coming into the fatherhood of God and as we grow in faith we eventually and possibly could find a spiritual father that would help impart us some of the aspects of faith or the understanding of faith that would accelerate our growth. But the verse says he turns the hearts of the fathers to the children. And we see that first with how God sent his son. His heart was turned towards us as the children and the heart of the children back towards their father. The spirit of sonship has a give and take or a two-way dialogue that goes on. It's not a monologue, it's a dialogue. And is a dialogue of the hearts. He says that I want to turn the hearts of the fathers to children, and I want to see the children turn their hearts to their fathers. And he ends the verse, and it's the last thing that's said in the Old Testament, least I come and smite the earth with a curse. Now the curse can mean destruction, it can mean to destroy, it is a very negative thing, but one of the definitions of the word curse is very interesting, and it means to be ineffective for service. In other words, if you would read the sentence, unless the fathers turn their hearts to the children, and unless the children turn their hearts to the father, there's, they will be ineffective in service. The earth will be ineffective or will have... Um, the repercussions of fathers and sons and daughters not working together. Another verse that we see concerning sonship is Romans 8:15 through 16. And it's, it says, You have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Again, looking at this verse, you've not received the spirit of bondage. The word bondage means destruction. You've not received that curse of Malachi 4.6. You've not and will not be ineffective in service or fear serving God, but you've received the spirit of adoption. 
The word, word receive means to take with the hand and make it your own. To take it in order that you would use it. You have received or you have taken with the hand or you are using the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Deep in our spirit, we know that we are God's child. Now, the spirit of adoption is very interesting because uh, I may do a segment in these teachings on an orphan spirit and signs of an orphan spirit. But the spirit of adoption is what combats the orphan spirit. Now, the word adoption is not like what we would have today as a, a, um, a word where we talk about adopting somebody and they have a history or a past, they have a childhood that's not good, or they have parents that abandoned or rejected them or abused them. The word the spirit of adoption is, is that in the culture of the day, that nobody was left homeless. Nobody was left without family. And in Jewish custom, they would adopt other children if the parents were had died or there was no other remaining relatives, they would be adopted in. Now, the word adoption actually is a word that means that it's as if you were part of this family and you never were not part of this family. So when he says, we have received the spirit of adoption, he literally is saying that we have been brought into a family as if we were never orphaned. Uh, the thinking of orphan or having an orphan spirit in that day and culture was not even uh, a viable thought. It had nothing to do with the spirit of adoption. Adoption basically said you are now part of this family. You are grafted in. That's what the Bible says. You are grafted into my family. You have the same rights and privileges. You have the same uh, things access to as my family. Now, when God adopts us in with the spirit of adoption, we have the same rights. We have the same abilities. We have access to all the things that God has and all the things that he gave his son, Jesus. Jesus is not only our savior, but Jesus is also our brother. I know it's kind of a hard thing to think about, but it's one of the ways to understand the spirit of adoption and being a child of God. If, if Jesus was a child of the Father and you now have the same spirit of adoption where you've been adopted into that family, you too have the same access into the same things. You have access to Father God himself. You have access to everything setting in heaven. You have access to the understanding and knowledge that Jesus did. You have access to do the miracles and see signs and wonders and healings. You have access or privilege by being a child of God. So when we start thinking about this, the privilege that we have is unbelievable. Galatians says in 4.5, When the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Again, he says that there was a fullness of time. The word time is a keros, meaning a divine moment. 
And the fullness means that something has came to the full or the fill. It has been filled to the to there's no more that it can come forth. When the fullness of time came, God sent his son. There was a specific time for his son to appear. Now we have this have received this the adoption as sons as well. You actually, as a son or a child of God, have come to the fullness of time for your life as well. And you are now adopted in as a son in the fullness or in the divine time, the Keros moment, just like he was. I find it interesting that we sit today and struggle sometimes with our identity, but our identity is wrapped up in our sonship and wrapped up in seeing ourselves through the eyes of God. Uh, I like to find quotes from other people when I'm teaching. Uh, it, I want to hear what other people are saying and authors are saying. And here's an uh, author from a guy, J.I. Packer. And J.I. Packer has a book out called Knowing God. And it's one of the best exp expositions of the blessing of adoption is a passage that he writes about or a section that he writes about in the book. And here is what he says. He says, Sonship to God is not therefore a universal status into which everyone enters by natural birth, but a supernatural gift which one receives through Jesus Christ. The gift of sonship to God becomes ours not through being born, but through being born again. In other words, it is a spiritual sonship. He goes on to say, Adoption is the highest privilege offered by God, even higher than justification. This is not denial that justification is the primary blessing because it meets our primary spiritual need, which is true. Justification is dealing with the sin issue of your heart and a redemption and the way that you get freed from those things. But what he's saying is sonship is at a higher value than getting free of even your sin. He goes on to say it's not the justification is not the highest blessing. Adoption is higher because of the rich relationship with God that it involves. Justification is forensic and does all of its uh, and does not of itself imply any intimate or deep relationship with God the judge. In theory, you can have reality of justification without any close fellowship of God. That's very true. We have many people today that said a prayer, are born again, their sins are forgiven, they're in the justification mode, but they have no relationship with the Father. Sonship is about relationship. In theory, you can have the reality of justification without any close fellowship with God. He goes on to say, closeness, affection, and generosity are the heart of relationship. To be right with God, the judge, is a great thing, but to be loved and cared for by God the Father is greater. That is an amazing ending of that statement. To be right with God is a great thing, but to be loved and cared for by God the Father is greater. Many today struggle with the issue of, issue of sonship because they have a poor relationship with their natural father. Many times natural fathers did not properly love us or care for us or invest into us or see that we had 
uh, something to offer. They had no vision for us. Many times we seemingly failed them in our lives when in reality what was happening was is they were rejecting us or and in some instances didn't know how to respond it just wasn't within them to respond correctly to help nurture and love and care for us as we grew up so many people that i'm involved with when we talk about being a son or a daughter we also are talking about issues of how they see god based on how their natural father treated them or did not treat them properly god and father god through his son jesus we see a relationship of mutual honor mutual respect and mutual value of father to son and son to father so as he was sent so he says send i you he was a sent son to reflect the father all of us are sent as sons and daughters to reflect father god but if we have hurts or areas of our life where we feel orphaned or abandoned or not able to value ourselves or have no confidence in ourselves it really is a sonship issue and an identity issue and all identity issues are actually wrapped up in righteousness and a righteousness issue if we do not fully understand who we are and we see ourselves as less than it's because we haven't put those things into the area that we're seeing that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus I write about all these things in my book, The Fathering Heart of God. And this is a, a book that uh, has really taken off. People just love how this was written, explaining sonship, explaining all the aspects of sonship. And I talk about, I talk about the roles and the different types of fathering. I give examples from spiritual sons and daughters that actually walked out, and I walked out life with them. Uh, and it has a an introduction from my spiritual father Jim Hodges and he said when he read the book he literally was in tears reading it and he said he would be applying it into his own life but it talks about the things of being available to those that you're trying to spiritually father what's expected out of sons and daughters and all the aspects of fathering in a very practical way of application so you can be able to really make uh, make the best of the position that you've been given it really is a book more about spiritual fathering but all the spiritual fathering relationship things are identical to your relationship with god in second corinthians six eighteen, it says this i will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me says the lord almighty so God states a very, a very sure statement here. And he says, as for me, I've decided I will be your father. And I have decided that I will look at you as my sons and daughters. I will treat you as if you were my own son or my own daughter because I've adopted you in. Now that gives us a lot of benefits in sonship. For uh, beginning, we are able to embrace all of the things that Jesus had access into. 
We also have a relationship with our Creator. We also know that if we are in trouble, that we have a Father that loves us and will always be there for us. So when we start looking at God as a Father through the eyes of sonship, and that's what sonship begins to do, not only does it change us, but it changes how we view God. That fatherhood implies a level of authority. And fatherhood means that there's commands that he is doing, there's exercise over us that he is doing of authority that's keeping us, protecting us, giving a place of security. Uh, Many of the sons and daughters that when I'm fathering them, those are aspects that they bring out. Those are even in some of the testimonies in this book is the fact that I have that there was a place of security for the first time in their life or a place where they felt uh, valued for the first time in their life. That all is coming under authority. I even have a daughter that when she is in absolute turmoil, she calls and she says, every time you pray for me, I know that you're going to break through and I always do. That's the authority of fatherhood. A second thing that fatherhood implies is affection. That says the father loves the son. And I learned that as a father, I have to learn to love what my sons and daughters love as well. I don't just love my my spiritual kids. I love what they love. I love their children. I love their hobbies. I love what the expressions of their life. The third thing that fatherhood implies is fellowship. That you have fellowship with your father. That as a father, you're always available. God the Father is always available to us. I have a chapter of that in the book as well. I've always been available for my own kids, my natural kids. If my natural kids call and say, I need to talk to you, I drop everything for that call. I'm available. Now, I'm not so much available for everybody that I'm fathering or everybody I'm giving advice to. Uh, I'm having to kind of balance it because there's so many wanting to pull off of me. But I am available to the sons and daughters. Like the other day, I got a text message and said, this is an emergency. I need you to call me now. And I dropped everything. And I cut another spiritual daughter off on the phone I was talking to. And she was literally sharing something very personal and and very excited about something in her life going on. And I had to literally cut her midway. I said, I'm sorry, I'll have to call you back in a, in a bit. I've got an emergency here from another another uh, son. And it was a genuine major emergency. Now, all of these things imply that thing of fellowship. And that is where you have access. Fellowship equals access. So you have access to the Father at any time, Father God. If you have a spiritual father, you have access to them most of the time. It just depends on how busy they are. The fourth thing that fatherhood implies is honor. God exalts his son. And God extends his honor through his son. And the same with you as an adopted child in the kingdom of God. He he extends honor to your life. He wants to honor your life. He wants others to see the glory of God resting upon your life as he honors you. 
You see, when we look at the word glory, it's a word that means kabod. And we think of a glory cloud or the glory of God or the presence of God. And the actual definition of the word glory many times means to honor. God wants to honor us with his presence, honor us with his fellowship, honor us with his affection, honor us with his authority. He wants to brag on us or show us off to the world. So we have been called to this freedom, this freedom in Christ, this opportunity to experience and step into sonship and allow the the freedom that sonship brings to set us free of everything of the world and also begin to reach in and towards our destiny. Now, like any good father, they want their children to excel, and so does Father God want you to excel in what you are doing in the earth. Ephesians 1.5 says, Having predestined us unto the adoption of, of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Now, he has predestined us. And I want to talk a little bit about predestination and destiny both. The goal of predestination is that that we are, uh, let's go back and maybe just read that verse again. Having predestined us unto the adoption, he predestined, meaning he predetermined that if we would be willing to receive Christ, that it would not be just as a savior, but it would be as if we were adopted into the family. And it was according to his good pleasure. God predestined you for sonship. He predetermined that if you would receive him as your savior, you automatically would receive sonship. Now, what does that mean for us? It means that we are to bear the image or the family likeness. In the beginning in Genesis, God created and he wanted, he made image bearers. He said, I'm going to make man in my image. So we are a reflection of that family. When you get predestined, you get sonship. When you get sonship, you're bearing the family likeness. So he has predestined you to be an image bearer through sonship of what he looks like in heaven. And predestination is the end result of of God making a choice more so than us making a choice. He chose to make us and allow us to be sons and daughters. You chose to receive him as a savior But he chose that if you received him as a savior, you automatically would get sonship. Now, what is amazing about all of these things is that that we all have a destiny that's unfolding in our life. And that destiny is greater than just a surviving life. That destiny is to be destined to be like his children. To be destined to be like him, to be holy, to be blameless, to live in love towards each other and towards everybody around us. We're destined to to reflect him. We're destined to be like our father. And one of the highest destinies that we can do is, I'm going to read a verse here, 
He predestined us unto sonship and holiness. Let me see if I can find the verse. Um, and it says in, in 1 John, uh, 1 John 4, 8, that you are predestined to be like your father. So this predestination is a reflection of his glory into the earth. And so as we come into our destiny in the earth, as sons and daughters, we're really reflecting or reflective of Father God himself in the earth. And so that destiny is, uh, you see, destiny is not what you do. Destiny is what you become. And so everybody has a destiny. And there's a tremendous destiny in sonship. And sonship is directly related to your identity. And I want to talk just briefly about these false identities that we pick up in the body of Christ and even in life itself. Uh, I, I use many times this example of, of football in high school. In high school, we all have a dream in our heart and a destiny of what we think we're going to do. And what happens in high school, we have a football player, and let's say he's the quarterback, and he's the star, and he's the star basketball player. And you've all seen this. It's a pattern that's in life, that there's always somebody that seems to be more favored. And then what happens is we graduate, and we go into college, and as we go into college, we're trying to find our pathway of what we want to do with our life. And the real reality is we're not finding the pathway because we're not finding our identity. In high school, everybody was telling those people that had those leading roles who they were, but they never discovered that themselves. Well, you're a, great, you're a great basketball player. You're great at this. You're great at that. But what happened at graduation day is their identity graduated and they no longer had that input. The, what was going on was they were functioning a certain way to gain identity. When they went into college, there was nobody there to tell them how to function. They were lost because they'd never settled their identity. We are saying to them, well, what are you going to do with your life? And the real question is, have you discovered who you are yet? It's the same way with being a Christian. Everyone's telling you what a Christian is. When you become born again, you're to act this way, you're to do these certain things. These are the things that are acceptable. These are the things that are not. But what you have to do is realize that I'm not functioning to gain an identity. And that's what we do in the church. If I function a certain way, everybody will recognize me as a certain thing. I see it very prevalent right now in even those that have been in the church a long time who are trying to step out into ministry. They're trying to step into functions that may not be their function because they're trying to gain a false identity. What needs to be settled is this. I am first a son or first a daughter. That is my identity in the church. That is my identity in my faith. And from being a son and a daughter, from knowing that I'm a son or daughter, I will function as a son and a daughter under the Lordship of Christ or under a spiritual father. I will, I will 
I will do things not to gain an identity, but what I do is an extension of my identity. And if I am a son, and I'm a sent son, and the Bible says greater works than these will I do, then I will do greater works, and I will I will reflect the Father through that identity as a son or a daughter, and I will reproduce his intentions into the earth. And so, as a son or a daughter, when you become settled in a, a being a son or a daughter to God first, probably what will happen is a spiritual father will recognize the maturity level of what you're carrying more so than the functions of what you're doing. The functions may get the attention, but the decision to say, I want to invest into your life at a higher rate will come because you know that you are a son or a daughter. Now, many times, too, there are those that haven't settled that idea or understand the idea of being a son or daughter, and that's the first phase a spiritual father may do, is help you into that role to understand it. Then from that place, I believe the early church saw sons and daughters connected with God. Then they saw sons and daughters connected with spiritual fathers, and then from that, they chose and saw an additional grace resting to be fivefold ministry leaders. I believe that we have it backward trying to create ministry leaders out of people that never were sons and daughters. So what I tell the students in our school is this. The highest calling that you can ever do, and I can tell you what everybody's calling is, including you right now watching me, is to be conformed to the image of the Son. To take on the reflection of sonship like he took on the reflection of sonship from the Father. It's the highest calling you could ever do is to settle who you are in Christ and the sonship with which it brings. Well, I hope this was a blessing to you today. We'll continue on in this series. I'm sure there'll be many uh, things that I will do around sonship here in teaching and just be looking for it. And uh, I'll just say, God bless you today. Pursue your sonship. Grab a hold of this book. This will help you a bunch. Just Fathering Heart of God. It's on Amazon and Kindle. And that will help you grow in your sonship and bring you some real understanding. So God bless you today, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks for joining Legacy School today. We hope you are blessed with the teachings that will lead you to deeper truths in God. If you want to step further into Revelation and advanced teaching, please visit LegacySchoolOnline.com to enroll. Again, that's LegacySchoolOnline.com. See you in school.